Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Hey, how's everybody doing? All right. Excited to be here this morning. Excited to worship. It's fun, actually. It's encouraging to my soul. Hope it is to yours, too. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Great little passage here. Prophetic word that has found fulfillment in Jesus Christ. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to him to everything he tells you. Okay, so last week we started with Abraham. This week it's Moses. Next week it's David. A little short series on the builders of the Bible. And we're looking at how can we learn from these great builders of the Bible because it's not so much what they built that lasted because, you know, you build a building and over time it deteriorates and wears out and it's gone. You know, but God is building something in people that really is lasting for eternity. And so that's what we're seeing here with Abraham, with Moses, and then next week with David as well. But, uh, you know, Stephen also quotes, as he's about to be martyred, he quotes this same passage. Moses saying, the Lord's going to raise up someone like me from among you. You've got to listen to what he says. He goes on to say, you didn't listen to what he said. You know, that's right before he got stoned to death but uh there's that prophetic word again and then you've got even moses himself who we're going to look at today hebrews chapter 11 verse 26 says that moses looked forward with faith in christ even as he was doing what he was doing in in egypt and in the desert what he was doing he was looking forward to god's redemption and god's messiah isn't that wild you know just that god he was looking forward to all that so In reflecting on Moses, I'm struck by how much life for us is a process. It's just a process. Seriously, a process. D.L. Moody, many, many years ago, in talking about this with Moses, said Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody, 40 years thinking he was a nobody, and 40 years learning what God could do with a nobody. And that's, and that's his life, 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. That's Moses. And we want to do something with our lives. Let's say we have a vision, we want to make something right, there's something wrong in our city. I'm looking at Stephanie, she's our new director for Unbound. I'll give it up for Stephanie. And uh, so Lisa did a great job, Stephanie's in the, it's official, right? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Stephanie's like, you're embarrassing me right now. <laughs> Love you, sister. But uh but we see something wrong. We want to make it right. And then we realize, we realize, man, it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it takes time. And it takes time in us, and it takes time in the people around us. And that's one of the big lessons from Moses. It just takes Abraham, takes time. Moses takes time. David, you know, a little shepherd boy's anointed, but it takes a long time for him to walk into the fullness of his calling and destiny and life. So there is this thing that's going on. Even as Moses prophesied, there's one coming after me. It was that, that after me was 1,400 years later was when Jesus comes. There's one coming after me 1,400 years later. 
And so in the meantime, we talked about this last week, and I just want to reinforce it again, the dance of the graces, where we receive God's grace, and then we offer thanksgiving back to God, and we share God's grace with people around us. The dance, the dance of the graces, and it's an upward helix of growth in God. And we're constantly, every day, today, Sunday, February 19th, we need grace. And we're going to need it this afternoon, and we're going to need it tomorrow morning. We need grace. And praise God, God is a God of grace. And all of this, you know, when you look through the lens of Jesus, which is what we're trying to do in this series, you see that the story of Moses is fascinating. There's so many places I could go with this. It's massive. The hard thing about preaching these three messages for me has just been trying to get it down to like a, a laser beam of some things I could say on Sunday. It's so, you know, all the deep things about the tabernacle, the deep things about Passover, the deep, I mean, on and on and on. There's so much here. Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 14 said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. I mean, you could preach that. Uh, there's, there's power there. John 5, verse 40, 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. John 6, 32, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And Jesus himself, you know, when I, I read that passage earlier in the communion time from Luke 22, I've longed to eat this Passover with you. I've longed to do this. He knew that, that what happened in the original Passover was pointing towards something that was going to happen with him, with the Messiah, with the King. So he's looking for, I've longed to do this. I, it, it's been hard thinking about the suffering that I'm about to go through, but I've longed to eat this meal with you. You know, so there's, there's a new Passover. There's a new covenant. There's a new exodus. There's a, a, a real return from exile for the Israelites and for God's people. And the good news is, is that in Jesus, we get in on all of this. You know, Ephesians says, once we were aliens, strangers, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, but now in Christ Jesus, we who are far away have been brought near. Praise God. Is that good news? It's just like this awesome good news. We've been grafted in. We've been included. We, we get to be a part of this. And now it's not the blood of a lamb. It's the blood of the lamb. In this new covenant, all of that's happening. And Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 3 says, all these things that happened in the past, they were written down to remind us of what God was doing, to bring encouragement and to bring hope. And so we learn from these pieces of the past. So again, uh, what am I doing when I do this? Anybody know? I'm doing a flyover. You, you felt like I needed help on that because people weren't going to guess it. You, people are going to say he's doing something weird up there. But what I'm actually doing is a fly. We're going to do a flyover of Moses' life, right? So Moses was born under dire circumstances. Pharaoh was trying to kill little baby boys right at the time Moses was being born. So that's, that's, that's rough. I mean, that's a rough time to be born. You, you're, you're trying to come into the world and people are trying to take you out. So his mom hides him in the reeds in, in the Nile River. He's ultimately found by Pharaoh's daughter, taken into Pharaoh's house. He's adopted. If you think about just rejection, people trying to kill you, adoption, all of these things are just, we are a product of growing up the way we grow, grew up. 
you know, and so he knows he's got a people, but he's raised with another people, you know, and so he gets out later in life and he sees somebody mistreating one of the Hebrews. And so he, he just in anger and rage, he kills the guy right on the spot the next day. Then two Israelites are talking. Are you going to kill us like he, he's trying to break them up? Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? He knows the secrets out. And so he flees to Midian, to the desert. And this is a key part of the story of Moses' life, this fleeing to the desert where he's basically in stillness and a big chunk of silence for 40 years. And somehow in the midst of all of that, God forms and shapes a man into a different kind of person that he can actually use when the pressure's on, you know? And so he sees the burning bush. He goes over, the Lord calls him to help deliver the Israelites. He's going to be the mouthpiece for this thing happening. He goes to Pharaoh. Then all the plagues happen, 10 plagues. Pharaoh's heart just keeps getting hardened and hardened and hardened. And, and the Israelites ultimately have a Passover, and then they, are, uh, they get to leave in freedom out of the land of bondage and slavery through the Red Sea and into the promised land, not exactly yet. And so they're not ready. God said they weren't ready to face the Philistines. And so they take a detour for 40 years. It was a two-week journey, but they take a detour for 40 years. And they're out in the desert. Almost immediately, they're grumbling then God sends manna, he sends quail because, you know, he's, he's hearing what they're saying. Are there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the desert? And so he sends manna and he sends quail. They end up down at the south at Mount Sinai. God gives the law, the Ten Commandments and the law. They end up building a tabernacle that is a representation of heaven and earth coming together. Not oddly, but actually very poetically and and pointing to the future that's coming, this tabernacle, this this it's got stars and moons and the, the creation built into it, into the tapestries. And it's it's heaven and earth together where God dwells, you know, and it's a picture of what's coming, you know, all of all. It's just rich, significant, deep, wonderful stuff. So here's what I'm trying to say. That's the overview, the flyover. And here's the main thing. Same main thing from last week and for next week is that God's calling us to learn from the builders of the Bible so that our lives can also point to Jesus and participate in his story in our generation. So as we look at the life of Moses, we're going to see a couple of things. Actually, like I said, there's so much to see. I'm just focusing on these two areas. First of all, God is working in us personally. God's working in us personally. So one of the ways that God works in us and one of the primary ways is in our identity. Identity. It's absolutely huge. It's critical. It's key. It's important. It's substantial. It's meaningful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all of that because, you know, we will live out of what we believe our identity is. Now, that can be beat up, pinched off, squashed, squelched, beat down, harassed, all these different kinds of things, or it can be as a son of the Most High God in the image of Jesus Christ. And there's just So Moses is fighting this thing. He's a baby raised by someone else. And when he becomes a man, there's 
it looks like there's a certain amount of anger that's in him as a result of how he's been raised. So that he sees somebody mistreating someone and rather, I mean, the thing he chooses to do is in anger, he kills them in the moment. And so then he runs away, goes to the desert, and there is in the desert, in the stillness and in the silence, there is space for him to work through the stuff of the past. And I would put stillness there. Another, another thing that God's wanting to do in us personally. So identity and stillness. Getting still enough to, over time, be able to see where God is moving. You know, he sees ultimately this burning bush. Now you say, well, anybody would have seen a burning bush. Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, you can make a good case for there's burning bushes happening all around us where God's speaking. He's trying to speak, but we're moving too fast. You know, and so a great quote from Blaise Pascal, a famous Christian philosopher from the 1600s, said that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, if you just, just meditate on that for a second, I mean, you think about TV, CNN, so, you know, all the, all the news stuff, it's like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, ah, just, it's, it's, we, are, we are sharing humanity with the rest of the planet. And when we just get ramped up, just anxiety, and just, ah, and, and, and then that's not enough, we turn the TV off and we say, what's happening on Facebook? Oh, man, the innermost things that I'm thinking in my heart ah, to the world, ah, just intensity, intensity, you know, and if that's not enough, I turn the TV off, I turn the Facebook off and close my computer. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I've got all kinds of stuff I got to do. I got to get the kids over here. I got to drive over here. We got to get up over here. We got stuff happening over here. I got my work things. Nine deadlines due tomorrow. Oh my goodness. And I'm going on. But, but stillness. Where's stillness in this? You know, I was looking up the Blaise Pascal quote. And I found an article. It was at the top of an article in the, this legit what I'm this is the internet you can look it up too don't do it right now but the article says new study finds that people are terrible at sitting alone with their thoughts I was like really <laughs> we need a we need a study <laughs> we need a study to figure that out <laughs> I just I thought that's a that's a weird study I, I thought, I could come up with some published stuff. Like, New study finds that when people don't get enough sleep, they're cranky the next day. New study finds that people get irritated driving north on 35 at about 5 p.m. And here's the funny thing. No, I mean, this is really funny. So that study, I, I, just, I was like, Whoa, what's in that article? I was curious. And so what, how, they, how they proved that people are terrible at sitting alone with their thoughts, they had them sit in a room, and first they shocked them with an electric shock. <laughs> like, ouch, you know? And then they said, okay, here's the deal. We want you to sit in this room for, alone for the next 20 minutes, and uh, you don't have to mess with the shock or anything, and, uh, but just want you to sit alone with your thoughts. And so 50% of everybody that did the test 
did the shock thing again. Is that weird? <laughs> Trying to sit alone. <laughs> this is just to, just to mix it up. Man, we're a mess, right? Okay, I'll move on. Just So stillness, man. That, this is what I've been trying to do in my own time with the Lord is just take five, ten minutes and be still and silent. You know, and good stuff comes out of that. Good stuff is coming out of that. Lord, help us. We want to learn this lesson from Moses about stillness. Encounter. Because what happens in the stillness is we encounter God. We have different kinds of encounters with the Lord. Um, Moses sees the bush. He's sensitive to that because of there's stillness and there's this encounter happening. Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Any poets? No? Okay. This is from a famous poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, 1800s, called Aurora Lee. It says, Earth's crammed with heaven. I love that phrase. Earth is crammed with heaven. And every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. You know, it's when we get still, it's not like God's far away and God's just waiting for special people to interact with and have encounters with. It's just he's waiting for us to slow down enough to realize he's there. He's speaking. He's always working around us. He's always working. So he wants to have encounters with us. He wants to call us. That's the next piece there is calling and response. For our, just What we can learn from this personally is that when we get still, when we encounter God, we're going to find out that he's got some things he wants us to join him in doing. And, and he'll call us. And we can respond in different ways at different times. We all, like Moses, have probably made excuses along the way. Anybody ever feel like God was saying something? And it's like, oh, Lord, you know, Mozambique, ugh. you know, or world peace. You know, whatever God might be calling us to, you know, it's like, ah, I just don't know. And then there's other times when we say, yes, Lord, and then great things happen. He'll do great things with us in partnering with him. So Moses goes on, ends up leading the people out of Egypt. Does God uses him in wonderful ways as he keeps responding to the call of God on his life. And at one point, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about us personally, is that at one point Moses is about to die. He's about to kill himself because of what he's taken on, what he thinks is on him versus getting people to help him do the, the work to which he's called to do. You know, and so Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to him and says, look, if you don't put some boundaries and some limits on your life, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. You can't just burn it at both ends indefinitely and live. And so this is part of, I think there's a word there for us personally, too, just as people that are growing up in character, in life, over the long haul, it's not everything. It's not everything our culture's doing. It's not everything that we're, we think we're supposed to be involved in and every single activity for all the kids. And I mean, you just... There's limits. Paul said, I know what my metron is, is the Greek word for sphere is. I know what my sphere is. And I'm not going beyond that. I'm going to take care of business and what God's given me to take care of. And that's a good word for us for life. So let me move on to the next one then. 
As we look at the life of Moses, we see that God's working in us personally, but He's also working through us together. And so the way this works is together we are, and I could say so many things about this, I'm picking two, but we are a pilgrim people. So pilgrim people means, what does that mean? It means we wear hats with big buckle thing on the front. It means that we're a people on a journey. You know, so Psalm 84 verse 5 says, blessed are those people who have set their heart on pilgrimage. Okay, so when you set your heart on pilgrimage, then when you go through a downtime, a valley of Baca is what Psalm 84 calls it. When you go through those low times, you realize the low time doesn't last forever and ever and ever and ever. It's actually a journey. And it's part of the journey. You go through hard stuff in life, but then there's mountaintops. But then you also realize that on the mountaintop, you don't live there, you know, because it's a journey. We're a pilgrim people. And it's almost, uh, I don't know what the right way, the, verb, the form of the word is, but it's like a, a paradigm for us watching the Israelites come out of bondage in Egypt, walk through the wilderness, and then enter across the Jordan into the promised land. Where even in the promised land, it's not all just everything's fine. They still got battles to win and stuff to overcome. But this is, a, this is what it's like being a pilgrim people. You know, we're saved out of some stuff. And we really are saved out of some stuff. But sometimes it takes us a, a, a while to realize I'm not in bondage anymore. And so that's why we do listening prayer and some of these things to help us as a people realize we aren't in Egypt anymore. And that, that we're on a journey. And that when we go through hard times, you know, and it feels like, wow, I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope and I'm, at, I'm just, I'm not trusting the Lord right now. I'm wanting to grumble and I'd rather go back over there, you know, and we need people around us helping us to go. We're a, we're a pilgrim people. We're on a journey. We haven't arrived yet. And even, you know, in Jesus, this is when you really live in Jesus, he's the, he's our, he's the, he's the promised land for us. He's the way life is meant to be lived. But even here, we stumble and trip and, and, and we forget sometimes that we've got enemies that still have to be overcome in our lives. And there's this journey for us as a pilgrim people. Thursday night, had a dear friend come and speak to the discipleship school. One of the elders from Antioch, Waco, named Pat Murphy. Pat's great guy, got a powerful testimony, shared a bunch of his testimony and how God really got glory in his life. I mean, it was, it was awesome. But one of the things was it just reminded me of this of this pilgrim people journey, because here he was, he was chair, chairman of the elders of the church that he was at up in Kansas City. And and, you know, life on the surface seemed like it was great. And yet there was some hard stuff, some bondage still happening. There was some desert places. And he really wanted his daughter to have a breakthrough, um, his daughter, Brooke. And and she ends up down at Waco with Antioch and gets radically saved. I mean, uh, she calls one day and says, Dad. And he just went, oh my goodness. He knew when she said Dad that she'd been set free. Just that one word. She's struggling with depression and all this stuff. And then a couple months later, she comes home for Christmas and she's there and she's going to spend time with God. And, and he's like, time with God? Okay, yeah. You know, but but the end of that Christmas break experience was this dad, chairman of the elders, going, 
I want what my daughter has. I want to figure this thing out. I want that kind of passion, hunger, love, zeal, worship, tenderness, all those things that he was seeing in his daughter transformed. Transformed, you know, and wanting that himself. And so this is the journey that we're on as the pilgrim people. We're a pilgrim people on a journey. Mike and Pam don't look the same. Praise God. Todd and Jackie, Micah doesn't. Jeff, seeing more Jesus in you, man. It's good. You know, Tiffany, for sure. Just more Jesus, right? And it's, we're a pilgrim people. And can still, can still get over here in our thinking. We can still get over here in our thinking. And, and we can live here, but we don't live here thinking there's not any trouble or not any battles that we have to fight in Jesus. We want to live there. The second piece here is we're a pilgrim people, but we're also a holy people. A holy people. So they're a set-apart people. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, we know that it was from before the creation of the world, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to what? To be holy and blameless in His sight. Discipleship school, guys, could finish that off for me. <laughs> to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship. So He's got, he, there's something there about holiness and adoption. We're His set apart people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So Peter there is quoting Deuteronomy. It's, it's Moses talking and, and, and uh, receiving a word from the Lord that the Israelites were to be holy, a holy people. And so let me just say this about being holy. There is, there's kind of two views of God that it's important that we really get a hold of. One is the covenant view of God. God is God, covenant God. And the other over here, it's kind of been added in over time down through the centuries, and it's the contract God. Okay, And where that transition specifically really happened was when the Hebrew Scriptures were translated, Torah for law, was translated into Latin, and the word for lex, uh, law, is lex, and carried with it this, it, the, the idea in Latin wasn't Torah, meaning this, this law is given to mark this people out. Rather, it was more of a contractual idea in Latin. Okay, so there's a dangerous kind of thing. And if we, if we think about ourselves as doing things in order to get things, we've traded the covenant God for the contract God. Okay, so we've, we've talked about this a bunch before. This is like indicative statements that are true. This is who we are in Jesus. This is who we are in Christ. This is what's true. Versus imperative statements. This is what you do. But if you flip the imperatives, if you flip the contract idea over here and put it first, then you've completely missed the grace of God. Does that make sense? So God's always been a God of grace. He's always been a God of grace. He didn't change Israelites. He's the legal God. 
And now he's the grace-giving God. He's always been the God of grace. He rescued them when they had done nothing. He chose Abraham when he had done nothing. Chose Moses when he'd done nothing. Even the Ten Commandments, you think about it, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Grace. And now, this is the way I want you to walk. This is what it looks like to live in my family. It would be like us with our, our kids, or you with your kids. Mom and dad, they've got a son, and he's in the family. We would never think about saying, okay, now I want you to do these things, and if you do them right enough and don't mess up on too much of them, then you're going to be in our family. I'll count you in my family. I'll be pleased with you if you do. It's not the way it actually works. The way it works is you're in my family. You're my son. He's been called Israel, his firstborn son. Jesus gets to walk that out in fulfillment. But you're my firstborn son. Now, in my family, this is the way things look. This is the way things look. And it will hurt you if you don't walk in this way. But you're in my family. It's grace. It's grace. One of the things we were talking about yesterday, we had some sermon planning time, and Yancey was talking about the law being a dance floor, like the boundaries of the dance floor. Yeah, hadn't thought about it like that, but, but it, it marks off, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. It's not do this, do this, and then you'll be in my family, but it's like the... Kim and I were doing this last night. I had on some, what, George Strait and some stuff. That's too personal. It won't make it in the second one. <laughs> and uh, that was totally random. <laughs> but it's the, the boundaries. And so, like, if you, you're dancing over here and then, bam, you run into a wall and fall down, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what the law is like. Does that make sense to everybody? So, so then even re our repentance is not meant to be a, a legal thing. I'm going to repent and then, one day I'm going to be in relationship with you. He's done it all for us in Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we go, wow, evangelical repentance is now going, Lord, I want to walk with you. I see that. I want to walk with you. I want to orient my life to you all the time, every day, every way. So that's, man, it's, it's good news. We are set apart. We are a holy people set apart for God so that we could do something great for God together. And all of us can follow God in spite of us. In spite of Jamie and my thinking, in spite of Nick, in spite of Chris, in spite of Otha, all the different, just the just places we got funky and weird and got off track and God still He's using us. He's calling us to participate. He's the God of all grace. It's, it's a wonder. It's a blow away. It's such good, incredible news that we get to partner with God. And there's refinement. There's growth. There's, I like that little wild shoot that's going over there. Snip. There's pruning that happens. You know, and in the process of all that, He's making us into people. Real humans that look like Jesus. They're being shaped into His image of love and grace and light. So how do we move forward in all of this? There's kind of two pieces here, right? On the personal side, God's working in us personally. Just think what it would be like 
to allow God to work identity in your life, to work stillness in your life, to work encounter in your life, to work calling and response, calling all those limits and boundaries in your life. That's, that's actually not just being mean, it's being healthy. The right kind of limits. You can't just do everything. So what might God, just thinking about the dads in the room right now, all the dads, what would it look like in families if dads were living like this on a personal level? You know, identity, stillness, so they could hear. They could see the burning bushes. They could see how God was leading. They could hear the calling and follow in response for their families. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be awesome. I, I just, wow, that'd be awesome. You know, and set appropriate limits and boundaries. And it's not just, you know, one speed work aholism, but it's living with balance in the midst of our crazy culture. You know? So that's one side of it, is the personal side. And, and moms, too, just is the personal side. And then the other side, how do we move forward, is that we're doing something together. And that is that God's wanting to us to see, hey, this is a journey. We haven't arrived. And we find ourselves from time to time in these different places. Hard places. I need to be set free in this area of my life. Or I need to look to trust to God. Trusting God in this area of my life. Or I need help in having a breakthrough and a victory in this area of my life. You see, all those things, those are all areas that we're constantly tweaking and working on. And that's how the Lord is going to build through us as we learn from the life of Moses. Personally, corporately, together. Amen. You guys stand up. And again, want us to just respond to the Lord. We've got a, we do this every Sunday if you're visiting with us and Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. We'll just take a couple of minutes here to just say, Lord, what are you wanting to do in me? And the first invitation here is if you're not walking with Jesus, this is where it starts. It starts with a bona fide, committed, Jesus, I want to follow you. It just, that's, that's the starting point. And then moving on from there, we go, Lord, I want this to be a part of my life. I want this encounter, identity, stillness. I, I want to live from a place of encounter with you. I want there to be, you know, maybe you need prayer about boundaries and limitations or identity, any of those kinds of things. Let's get prayer. And if and on that second piece, just that it's it's something that happens together. So again, Lord, would you just speak to us if there's a place we're needing a breakthrough from bondage or grumbling in the desert or just even a victory thing that's needed in our lives, even as we see that we're in the land, but we just, we need a victory over this. We need a breakthrough. So whatever your need is, you guys come, get prayer. Let's learn from Moses. Let our lives point to Jesus and our identity and our way we walk in stillness and help us, Lord. Meet us today, God. Whatever your need is, again, please don't leave without getting prayer. In Jesus' name.